Hello everyone, today with us I have Rebecca Worsbrock, founder of Worsbrock Associated uh, and she invented a popular development uh, approach called Responsibility Driven Design and start the old XTDD MEM, as we know, TDD, BDD and TDD. She's an author, speaker and trainer and focus on agility within software domain. She is chair of the Experience Report Initiative of Agile Alliance and was involved in creation of Agile Movement. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, good to be here virtually. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And for today, we have an heuristic to challenge you. And the heuristic today is improve practices. Don't just follow the recipe. What do you think about that? So it's interesting. Do you cook? Yes, I'm an amateur cook in my free time. Amateur. Okay. So do you read recipes? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's interesting when I think about following recipes, because I remember giving my son a cookbook, a gluten-free cookbook, and he tried following the recipes exactly as the cookbook told him. And he really had trouble <laughs> because it didn't tell him everything that he needed to do. Um, and so if something said a certain amount of time, he didn't know he needed to look at it to see whether something was perhaps overcooked because his oven was too hot. So following recipes, recipes can't tell you everything, right? So as a cook, you've probably learned a few things. Yes, I did. Um, I believe that the context matter, um, sometimes even the, the ingredients, right? Because not all the aubergines look alike. That's, that's for sure. Um, and you may not have the ingredients in this, you know, in this time. time. Um, usually I go and make something <clears throat> based on what's available in the store. <clears throat> so you will say that... Uh, you need to adapt the recipe to follow your needs. Your needs and what you have at hand. And, and so, but, but still you are kind of following the recipe, which is getting back to this um, heuristic that we wanted to talk about. There's a general recipe. Like if I want to make a smoothie, I don't want it to be, um, you know, have meat in it, for example, at least I don't. <laughs> so um, are you saying that we can reuse proven practices or best practices, depending on what people believe, to improve our recipes or have a backbone per se? Well, so yeah, I guess there's sort of a backbone or set of underlying things. But oftentimes when people try to follow recipes and they're new to it, they just follow it exactly. Um, they don't realize that some things are suggestions or that um, we can replace one thing with something else that's equivalent. So if I wanna, if I don't have a particular kind of fruit, I wanna have a, another kind of fruit. And, and so, you know, that's where kind of our own personal heuristics come into play. Uh, like what is a good 
thing. And we only learn those things through our own experience. I don't think people can teach us all of those, you know, what to do. We might read about it forever, but unless we start cooking, we're not going to know how it really goes. Yeah, I can imagine. So if I may, in during your career, when did you have this realization about the, the, the getting the, the, even the input of other people towards the recipes? Well, so <clears throat> when I first wrote my book long ago, responsibility-driven design was something that we came up with because we were observing what really good small talk programmers were doing and thinking. Um, so, for example, Ward Cunningham was really using objects in a way that was quite uh, inventive and, I don't know, like say, more freeing to do uh, experimentation than other people that were just kind of translating their old ways of working into into objects without thinking about um, interactions and how could you do things in, in ways. So in some sense, um, I think that maybe my one superpower is that I can observe what people do and then <laughs> try it myself and reflect. Um, but uh, without having that experience myself and at least seeing that practice, there's no way responsibility-driven design would have come into being. Cool, cool. And um, after all of these years, um, do you see more and more people following your practice of observing, documenting, and trying new heuristics? Well, I would like to think that people are trying new heuristics but I still think a lot of people think that if they could just find that recipe that told them just what they wanted right now, that then they wouldn't have to do so much experimentation. Maybe maybe we software people are optimists or hopeful that we just don't have to think. But <laughs> I wish more would, would realize that they need to, you know, be, be read yeah, see what current trends are, but then also own the fact that you have to do your experimentation. There's there's no other substitute for that, I, I really don't think. Yeah, and within these experimentations, um, during your career, did you saw more success with individuals doing these experimentations or as a teams, or it depends? Well, so that's actually interesting. Um, I've seen individuals get it, um, but in order to be really effective, we all have to work in teams. Um, <laughs> unless we're writing, you know, our own personal software. And so teams that really have this feeling of experimentation um, really have to trust each other and, um, it may be that my heuristic for solving a particular design problem is slightly different than what you might have thought. But if we have that sort of trust, okay, let's try it this way, um, then it usually works out well. 
But if it's we're all competing with each other for the best ideas to do something that doesn't work so well. Very interesting thought. Thanks for sharing. Um, I see an element there uh, of visualization as well. Uh, in my head goes around uh, a team trying to find a, fix some problem and um, mapping out different solutions, different heuristics to, to try to prove which solution works. Did you solve lots of that in the wild? Sure. And that's what whiteboards are really good for. Just and, and I'm saying I might want to visualize something and I really don't care about formally, um, you know, showing something in UML or if anyone uses UML at all <laughs> these days or, or uh, drawing a very complete state diagram if we have some kind of timing issue or whatever. But sort of sketching and theorizing are really kind of good. Um, and however I can emphasize something um, and draw, but uh, it's also the case that I might want to visualize something with really good development tools as well. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't discount good good tools that allow me to show performance monitoring or what's going on or do some analysis that's beyond my complexity of understanding on my own. Interesting. Um, and you mentioned a uh, very interesting word, complexity. Um, I deeply believe that heuristics help us navigate the complexity. Do you have any thoughts on how any other heuristics could help us navigate the complexity? Well, so... Um, a framework that people talk about is the Kinevan, Kinevan framework, where um, not all problems are the same. Some things are, if you think about uh, understanding and just going to an immediate solution, or, or here we must do this, it's usually for a problem that's in the simple, simple simple domain of complexity. Um, but if something is, I'm going to say, so complex that I don't really know what's going on, doing short experiments that give me feedback, these are the heuristics that I would definitely use, give me feedback in a timely way, and, and I need to then expect to be surprised because <laughs> even my hypothesis uh, you know, about what, you know, a particular problem is may not be, you know, may not be backed up. So if I'm in that really complex space, which sometimes, you know, thinking about systems that are software systems connecting to other systems or whatever, I've got to get my mind into that set of, of small experiments and, and not always thinking that when I take an action, that it will have any sort of effect that I can predict. And that's pretty unsettling, <laughs> but complex system software uh, can be like that. Yes, indeed. Um, I saw some examples throughout my career where people didn't account for that. And then, well, 
problems start to emerge. Uh, we classify them as accidental complexity, but it's very interesting. So that is almost your recipe. Experiment. Recipe, yeah. Although I've got to be careful that I'm just always doing short experiments. Sometimes I might need to take a longer term view on figuring out what's going on in the system. So I might have to plan and do some, some setup uh, to really capture some information that I haven't done before in order to figure things out. So it isn't always that I'm doing experiments in the same way. I might have to do some setup. I might have to do some analysis of what's going on. Um, so again, I, I guess the uh, overriding recipe in that is if, if what you're doing isn't buying you information, move on to something else. So that's kind of uh, one of those beliefs or guiding kind of heuristics. So, so it, it isn't the case that I just keep doing something over and over again, hoping that I'll find, let's say, um, an interrupt that happens at the wrong point of time. That's, that's like silly. <laughs> you know, I, I have to really um, come up with hypotheses and do setup. And if I don't get anything, I have to move on to something else. Cool. And do you see the, um, the same domains of knowledge and by domains of knowledge, I'm talking about um, space shuttles or healthcare or CRM systems that we can apply these heuristics evenly or we will apply more or less depending on domain knowledge? So that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I suspect that there are some heuristics for, you know, good software design or understanding a problem that span across systems, uh, different kinds of software systems. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say, and, and, I, and I use this example because recently I've done some uh, machine learning programming. The way of debugging machine learning algorithms is uh, is not, or even specifying what I want to have as parameters is quite different than the normal business IT, uh, you know, database fetching kind of algorithms and processing that I do. So I think there are different, you know, heuristics that are more prominent based on what you're, what kind of software you're building. So it's. It's not all the same. Um, hopefully our values are the same and they kind of uh, span, uh, you know, if I, if I believe in testing, say for example, um, my heuristics for how do I do testing might vary according to, you know, the domain, but I still believe in testing. That, that is a very interesting viewpoint because it goes also with a, let me say this with uh, the work of Kent Beck about uh, the values, principles, and practices where you have your values. Uh, in this case, you test because you want to achieve a level of excellence, but the practice and the way that you test change. Am I correct? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I have a client that I've worked with um, who does massive, massive amounts of... Uh, it, it's, it's, they process... 
terabytes of data. And so to figure out that something is really working correctly, it isn't just tiny little unit tests. And so one way that they uh, did some testing to see that their new algorithms were working was to, to run the same data sets across uh, a different implementation even using SAS. And that they may sound uh, kind of clunky, but they had to come up with expected results. Um, another way that they did testing was to see whether their algorithms would match what medical journals uh, published results were. Now, we, we hope that the medical journal results were accurately done and their code was right. But uh, so those are different ways of testing. So even testing, but just testing whether a method or a function works correctly or whether even 10,000 incidents of it work correctly wasn't feasible. So they had to do different kinds of testing. Very interesting. I see again the context matters. We are talking about healthcare and uh, tera uh, terabytes of data. Yeah, yeah. Very insightful um, versus the traditional transactional systems that we are used to see, or at least I'm used to see. Um, I will like uh, to ask you um, if you have any advice of any book or podcast or any type of resource um, related to one of these topics? So I'm, I'm sorry, but you're kind of breaking up, so I didn't really get the question. Sorry. Um, it's been a, an interesting question, and at this point um, I would like to ask you uh, and to end this uh, short conversation, if you have any book or podcast or uh, any blog that you would like to recommend uh, to the audience related to this topic? Um, well, I'm going to uh, say that um, my latest blog posts that are about a year ago talk about nothing ever goes by the book. Um, so, so you might find that interesting to, to read those posts about um, heuristics that, that I've collected. Um, as far as different ways of, of testing, there is a lot of material, not that I've uh, written about myself, but I think that um, a blog that I find useful is uh, on the Smart Bear, uh, the guys who used to be Cucumber, their, their blog about different kinds of testing. Um, they're, they're, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks uh, very much for, for your recommendations. Uh, we will add them to the podcast, to the episode uh, documentation uh, description. And... Um, I would like to thank you a lot for being the, the first guest and to help me on this quest with the heuristics. And with this, uh, I would like to close this episode. Thank you very much. Uh, it was great. Thanks. <laughs>